Block It Up is sponsored in part by HODL Services. If you're looking for a disc jockey, karaoke host, to videographer, our company can help. With over 17 years of experience, we would be happy to assist with your special event. You can contact us at 226-988-2895 or visit us at our website at hodlservices.vpweb.ca. That's H-O-D-D-L-E, Services. We look forward to hearing from you, and helping with your special event. Welcome to you for another installment of Lock It Up Sports Talk. My name is Logan Lockhart, and here we are on the Fines Huddle Network whenever or wherever you may be watching this. I'll tell you when I'm doing this and talking right now, it's the afternoon after the Toronto Blue Jays really took a deep dive into the free agent market. I'm shocked by it. We'll get into that NFL. It's championship week. NFC, AFC. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Last week we saw the Brady versus Breeze matchup. And now, yet again, another matchup between two future Hall of Famers. And then those Bills. Yeah, Bills Mafia. It's running wild, not just in Western New York, a little bit here where I'm doing this right now in Southern Ontario. It's pretty wild with the Bills. It's pretty wild. These guys, this is a good team. Um, but the elephant in the room is Patrick Mahomes. We'll get to that as well. But let's start with those Blue Jays. Now, Look, I always thought George Springer was the Mets to lose. And George Springer is now a Toronto Blue Jay. And the Blue Jays just gave him the biggest contract in franchise history. They've never given a guy this big of a contract. Before this, you had deals like Russell Martin get a big deal. You had Vernon Wells get a deal. It was seven years, um, about $18 million a year. That was big at the time for the Jays, the biggest for the franchise then but now you have George Springer coming into the fold and we always thought okay it's the Mets I mean the Mets are the team here Steve Cohen the new owner it's theirs to lose they're the kind of the hot team of the offseason but but things changed things changed once the Mets acquired Francisco Lindor that's when everything changed because now the Mets are sitting there going hey we got to eventually sign Lindor to an extension we rather keep Conforto in the outfield. And with all that money, hey, you just can't get George Springer, possibly. Now, the Mets still could have done it. But I think once they got Lindor, that really changed a lot. Now, here we are with the Blue Jays. And you're looking at this lineup. And you're going, wow. Um, you have everything now. Because they just signed Michael Brantley as well. So now the question is, how does Randall Grichuk fit onto this team? And if you're looking at it from face value, I would say he probably doesn't fit on this team. I would have said maybe there's a spot for Gritchuk at some point if they didn't sign Brantley. But the thing about Michael Brantley, it appears that this was a package deal. Wherever George Springer was going, Brantley was going along with them. They have the same agent. And reports indicate that after Springer signed up to Jays right away, it was get Brantley. 
That's how it is. Springer was convincing the Jays. It was all just going to this full circle of the Jays getting both those guys. It's a package deal. Huge 24 hours for the Toronto Blue Jays. And all of a sudden, in this AL East, you're looking at the division and you're, you're looking at Tampa Bay, who traded Blake Snell. And Tampa Bay's still going to be good. And Tampa Bay's going to be good down the road as well. And they're not going anywhere. But they did, on paper, if we're going to be fair about it, get worse in the offseason. The Yankees, underwhelming offseason, probably. They, they got Kluber in there. They re-signed DJ LeMahieu. But other than that, you're looking at a Yankee team that's kind of at the same place. And I think a lot of people in Toronto are thinking the Jays can reach that very soon. The Red Sox have had a brutal offseason. You can ask people in Boston. I've had Tyler Milliken on this show a few weeks ago before Christmas who joined me from Boston. And he's saying, eh, Red Sox fans. Not too optimistic right now. And then Baltimore's in a complete rebuilding phase, and it appears that that's how it's going to be 2021 and on. The thing about the Jays is this. Right now, it's about the lineup. You have so many different options. And in a minute, I was thinking maybe we'll go through the lineup, project some things, have some fun of what we can do. There's so many different ways you can go up this Blue Jays lineup. They're going to need to add a starter. They just are. Ryu is the ace, but Ryu is not a 25-year-old ace. Okay, there's question marks for you. He was great in a shortened season. That's great. You do need to add another pitcher, though. And the rotation is, other than Nate Pearson, you're kind of looking at veterans who have found success in the past. They're trying to recoup all that success. We'll see if it happens. There are still starting pitchers left in the market. Trevor Bauer is out there. I, I would be shocked if the Jays sign Bauer. I was already shocked that they signed George Springer because I thought George Springer, being from Connecticut, he said that playing close to home is important to him. It's the Mets. It makes sense. The Mets are in this thing. They're in a similar spot of the Jays of, you know, if the Jays are looking up to the Yankees, the Mets are kind of looking up to the Braves right now in that division, respective division. And they're saying to themselves, hey, we got Lindor, we got Springer right in the mix. The Jays instead are the team that even though we heard the Jays, they're in on Springer, they're in on everyone, every free agent the Jays have been on, it's become a running joke in Major League Baseball, but it's not a running joke anymore because they got their guy and they closed the deal and now the Jays have a center fielder, just like that. How does the lineup look? I'm a big fan of Kevin Biggio at the top of the lineup. I think he's just perfect for that. Um, I'm still that sort of traditionalist in baseball where I like having a guy with a high on base at the top of the lineup. I know the approach nowadays is, hey, put your best hitter at the top of the lineup. George Springer let off for the Astros a lot. And during their playoff runs, he did. He was their leadoff hitter. Could we see it here? I don't know. This is my point, though. The Jays have so many options right now. And the Jays lineup is looking really good. One to nine. Okay, you have question marks about Danny Jansen. That's okay. But you got Alejandro Kirk, who's right behind him, saying, hey, if Jansen can't hit, I'll be there as a platoon one day. Maybe not this year, but Kirk can play DH. He can be behind the plate. Um, There's a lot of different things. And I thought the Blue Jays had good flexibility last year. If they can add a third baseman or another utility infielder, this team is set. And they're going to be in contention. One utility infielder, a third baseman, and then a starting pitcher. This team's set. The Jays also signed yesterday Kirby Yates, who 
has the potential at this contract, especially one year, five million around there, I believe it was, he can be one of the premier relievers in the game. So the Jays right now, who already had quite an underrated bullpen, they add Yates, they add Springer, they get Brantley, who I've been a huge fan of since his days in Cleveland. The Jays are looking good right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we approach spring training in the regular season that there's going to be people out there on various networks. There's going to be people writing about it. They're going to say the Jays are the team to beat in the AL East. I I think the hype train is going to be there. And maybe it's prisoner of the moment, but right now the Toronto Blue Jays, they're in a prime spot right now. Um, Listen, when you add a guy like George Springer, at that contract, which is six years, and I do have my doubts about George Springer playing center field four years from now. I'm just not sure if that's realistic. Okay, if you look historically at free agents, outfielders, signing of teams, um, outfielders, it hasn't been a kind, kind look for a lot of these guys. I think of Ellsbury as exhibit A. But the thing about George Springer is this. He kind of does it all. Good defender, relatively good. With the bat, he can do it all. He can get on base. He can hit for power. George Springer now at Toronto Blue Jays. That's the biggest contract they've ever given out in franchise history. And you think about free agents coming to Toronto. It's been relatively dry for just about ever. Okay, Roger Clemens, you think about big acquisitions now and all sports in Toronto. Roger Clemens, and then you think John Tavares. With the Leafs, that was huge. I think that gets consideration. And then you have this. And you had Ryu last year, which was one of the premier signings in the league last offseason. And now, a year later, the Jays get Springer. The shocking part about this is this. And this is why this might be a new era for the Blue Jays in general. Typically, when they've gone out and signed somebody, not a star necessarily, But whenever they've gone out and reused the perfect example, in Toronto, they would just always assume, okay, they made their signing for the next, you know, five years. We're not going to see a signing like that for a while. The Jays, they signed Ryu last year. Twelve months later, they signed George Springer. This is new. This is very new because this is something that people in Toronto are not used to, especially with baseball. And you know that a guy like George Springer, this is a name. This is a guy who's been a World Series MVP, right? I mean, he postseason MVP. George Springer, he is the guy. He, he was part of that nucleus in Houston. You can bring up the cheating scandal. It doesn't matter. George Springer can play, and now he's in center field. What do you do with Randall Gritchuk? I'm not sure. The Brantley news today kind of really changes my opinion on that. You might have to trade him with Randall Gritchuk. But I'm sure the Blue Jays conversation will continue a lot from here. Let's go with some NFL. You know, you see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees on Sunday. And you think to yourself, okay, this is the matchup of a lifetime. You know, even though these guys are are past their prime, quote unquote, if you look at their age, you're looking at two quarterbacks that are matching up. They're two future Hall of Famers. What you saw was Tom Brady is a guy who can still play at a level that's high enough to make a playoff run. And then on the contrary, Drew Brees is a guy that just can't. And that might have been Drew Brees' last game. It was sad to see him go out that way. But you know what? That's what it is. When you play at that age and you're, and you're trying to make a playoff run, that's what it is. 
the Buccaneers, they're clicking at the right time. I've been saying this for weeks. And in the NFL, if you're clicking at the right time, you're getting hot, good things are going to happen. And that's why I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go to the Super Bowl. They have to go to Lambeau. They have to go to Green Bay. The problem with this is that the Packers don't have any flaws on their quote-unquote resume this regular season. The only one that you can really point at, I think, is the game against Tampa Bay in Week 6. The Packers went to Tampa Bay, and they got ran all over. They only had 94 rushing yards the entire game. It's not the same Green Bay team, though. Matt LaFleur has found a trio of running backs here in the backfield that just works. It's a happy medium. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon. This works for Green Bay. And the team that you saw in week six in Tampa Bay, it's not the same Packers team. But I can say the same thing about the Bucks. This is not the same Bucks team. We said it last week when they played New Orleans. New Orleans beat Tampa Bay twice in the regular season. The first team ever to sweep a regular season series against Tom Brady, the Saints, this year. But that was a different Bucks team. The Bucks are a different team now. And they are a different team than when the last time they saw the Packers and blew them out. I think the Bucs are going to walk in here. I just can't see a scenario where Tom Brady goes to the NFC Championship game at this point in his career, and he doesn't go to the Super Bowl. I just can't see it ending here for him. We've seen this movie before. He's been doubted before. And I think he's going to go in there, and he's going to beat Aaron Rodgers just like he beat Drew Brees. And I know the Packers should be favored. The weather, I'm hearing, I was looking at the forecast this morning in Green Bay, and it's looking like for Sunday, we got about a 50% chance of snow, 24 degrees as the low, 29 as the high. Um, You know, it's going to be a cold one. If you're talking Celsius, we're going to be in the negatives and 50% chance of snow. So who does that favor? You would think Green Bay, right? But again, if the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he's got a case to be the MVP of this league, and he should win this game. But the Bucs are clicking right now. You look on the defense. You look at the last two drafts they've had, 2020 and 2019, they've taken Antoine Winfield. And then they take Devin White. And both those guys just emerged, Devin White in particular, into a superstar right in front of our eyes. And we knew Devin White was good. But when he's going to make plays like that, that's game-changing. Strong tackles, follows everyone on the offensive side. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think the Bucks are clicking right now. Let's go to the AFC. The elephant in the room is Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to play? This is a playoff game. I don't expect the Chiefs to announce who's playing tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I expect that on the day of, hours before, why would the Chiefs you know, show their hand. Why would they do that? The Chiefs pulled off quite a win against the Browns. And this here's the scary thing. For every other NFL team who watched that game on Sunday, this is scary. Chad Henney comes into the game. And the Chiefs, they look the same. They, they're running the same schemes. It's, the game plan's the same. It, it's as if Mahomes isn't even there right? It's unbelievable if the Chiefs, it's such a seamless transition, and that's credit to Andy Reid, but the the fact that Chad Henney can walk in there, and everything's flowing just how you expect the Chiefs to flow. The Chiefs in recent times, right? Without Patrick Mahomes, they just flow, right? Now, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't valuable, absolutely. Um, If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I'm taking the Bills to win this game, 
four quarters, g- give me the bills here, right? But w- Chad Henney in a relief position here, you can look at it like baseball. Relief pitcher comes in. All right, you need a couple strong innings. He's not the greatest reliever in the world, but he gives you two brilliant innings, something like that. That's what Chad Henney was on Sunday against the Browns. That's a scary thing for the NFL. It really is. The Bills are going to have a tough time. The key for the Bills is defense. If they can find a way to keep up with Tyreek Hill, I mean, no one will. No one will in the league. People have tried. It's been two years. No one can keep up with the Chiefs with those go routes. And Tony Romo mentioned it on the broadcast. He said, you know, it's Tyreek Hill. It's like a go route, but horizontal, right? I mean, the linebackers have a tough time keeping up with him. It's a tough, tough task. Buffalo can do this. I expect a close game. I can see a scenario where it's a one-point game late and the team that wins was down by one. They kick a field goal and that's the game. I can see a scenario like that. But at the end of the day, um, if this game was in Buffalo, I would go all bills all day. It's in Kansas City. It changes up a lot. It's going to be a close one. This rests a lot on whether Mahomes is going to play or not. But I can tell you this, that I don't think the game plan for the Chiefs is going to change that much. I think Sunday, the fourth quarter, was evidence of this. Their game plan is not going to change. It could slightly, but I think the Bills, they're going to game plan the same way, whether it's Mahomes or Henny, because that's the key. It's the key is that the Chiefs are going to run. They're they're a well-oiled machine. They're going to run the way they do. And you saw Chad Henny go in there and he – he became a playoff hero instantly. The play calls, by the way, Airbnb and, and Andy Reid, I mean, the, just the, the aggression. If they didn't convert on fourth and went down, Baker with no timeouts and Cleveland won the game, do you understand how much heat would be on Andy Reid right now? Right? I mean, we just ignore the fact that he just pulled off uh, the risk of, of a lifetime playoff wise. And it worked. You talk about the analytics all you want. That was pro analytics and it worked. Um, it didn't work in the world series for the Tampa Bay Rays. It worked here against the Cleveland Browns for the Kansas city chiefs. And um, it's a, it's a well oiled machine. It, it really is. That is the game. That's the wrap on the NFL there. Um, who will play in the super bowl, by the way, We've never had a team play in the Super Bowl as the true home team because the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year. Wherever the host city's been, that team has never played in the game. It could change this year, and it could be Tom Brady. How ironic would this be if the first time this happens in NFL history is Tom Brady, who goes from the Patriots to Tampa. Oh, the Super Bowl's in Tampa. Oh, he's 43. He gets the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be something? Could happen. And I'm picking the Bucks to win that game. I'm going to go out on a limb. I know the Packers, they're, they should win the game, right? If you look at it, they really should. It's a different time, though. Someone mentioned something interesting to me earlier. They said the Packers have had identical seasons last year and this year. Last year, they're 13-3. and three, And the games they lost in the regular season were against... Um, the team that they ended up losing to in the championship game. That was the San Francisco 49ers. This year, the Green Bay Packers, kind of same situation. They lost to Tampa Bay earlier in the regular season, and now they play them in the NFC championship game. Maybe this happens again. 
Aaron Rodgers, he's stuck on one Super Bowl ring, just like Drew Brees was. And now Aaron Rodgers, he's got to take that next step. You got to get that second Super Bowl, right? It's a big thing for a lot of guys. If you look at the NFL historically, it's a big thing to have two. You can have one. Guys have one. And that's fantastic. If you have two, you're putting yourself in a whole nother category. Aaron Rodgers right now, only one Super Bowl. Tom Brady, he's got six right now. He's going for seven. Pretty remarkable stuff. Now let's go hockey here. And uh, NHL season, we're about a week in now. And hear me out here when I say this, but I'm really enjoying these divisional matchups. And I remember the NHL back when you would have teams with interdivision. And I'm talking back in the era when you had the Northeast and um, the, the traditional Atlantic division and the Southeast, you would play your division teams eight times a year. And that's what we're seeing right now. And I, I like that. I didn't like how the NHL moved away from that. I don't like the whole idea of playing everyone in the league at least once, right? For example, you can have the Leafs playing, you know, San Jose. That Now every team's in every arena. So the Leafs are playing the Sharks twice, for example. One in Toronto, one in San Jose. I'm not a big fan of that. I like establishing these rivalries. And I like the fact that the Leafs and the Sens and the Leafs and the Habs, they're playing eight, nine, ten times a year here. I like eight, right? And what you have in a traditional NHL schedule, if this was a normal year, you, you know, the Leafs would play Montreal four times, um, sometimes three, depending on the division team. It's not even – I like these division matchups. And the NHL, I, I don't think they're going to stick with this. They won't. I know they've said that this Canadian division, it's called the, the Scotia North Division, it's not something that's in the plans moving forward. But if you really think about it, um, I like this whole idea. There's got to be a, a middle ground here because I think this can work with the rivalry games. I like it. I like points. A lot of them, the bulk of the points that are being rewarded are within the division. It makes for incredible intrigue. And, and let's look at the North Division right now. You have Toronto at the top. But, you know, other than that, you're looking at a scenario of this division where it, it looks like it's going to come down to the wire because every point is within the division. So everyone is winning every day in the division. It, it, think about it from this perspective. I mean, tonight, when I'm doing this, the Leafs are playing the Oilers tonight. And that's a division game. And it, it hurts a lot of teams if you don't get off to a good start. Right now, Vancouver, they've had some tough games. Uh, Vancouver won their opening game. They've lost three in a row. Again, if Vancouver continues to struggle for another six or seven days, they're going to be way behind, and it's going to be tough to recover in a 56-game season. It's very similar to what we saw in baseball. But Vancouver here, it's going to be tough for them to recover if they have another stretch of six or seven days where they're not playing that well. It's going to be tough. Um, Edmonton, they're in the same boat. They played four games and, they, and they've won one. And that was against Vancouver, actually. So again, um, it's going to come down to the wire. I, I, I anticipate that in every division. But in this division in particular, this is the only division in hockey right now, the, the Canadian division, as people like to call it. It's got seven teams. Every other team, excuse me, division in the NHL has eight. So now you're in a division where there's one less team and less spots to be fought over. And um, it's intriguing. I like it. You know, we thought under all those crazy circumstances with COVID and how it's affecting 
the way we watch sports and the way we view it. You know, this has been something that I'm into. I would not keep it. I would still like, for example, the Leafs. I, I want to see the Leafs playing the Flyers and playing the Rangers, playing the Sabres and playing the Red Wings, right? I, I Bruins still want those games, but I think absolutely it's a no-brainer to play more games within your division. I like the number eight a year, okay? I Why do I care that the Leafs play the Kings or the Stars? It doesn't matter to me. Um, maybe once a year, not twice. It's too much, and I'm in favor of that. Now, the reason why they don't do that is because they want every team in every arena all year. So you go to every city, and that's more revenue, and that's more eyeballs. For example, Connor McDavid. The NHL would want him in every arena throughout the season, right? It's, you know, you kind of get the short end of the stick if you're in, you know, if you're the Islanders and you miss out on seeing Connor McDavid at your home games, right? That's the logic there. And I understand that. But I think that there's kind of some give and take here and there's pros and cons. And if I'm the NHL, I'm saying, let's ramp up the divisions here. That was the whole point of, the realignment anyway, right? It was to get more rivalries. It was to keep the playoffs within the division, which I don't like, but this is how it's going. And I'm in favor of more division play. I I remember the days it was eight times a year and I I thought it was brilliant, right? And you would have growing up in Toronto, I'd have Leaf Sens on a Saturday night. And then the next Saturday, it would be the same matchup, right? It was, it became a tradition, right? That's how it is in favor of more divisional play post pandemic. NHL season. But that is all for me here on Lock It Up Sports Talk here on the Fine Settle Network. Wherever you may be watching, we stream live on all social platforms every Wednesday at one o'clock. I'm your host, usually a guest. A guest will join me next week and we'll see what direction we take it. By then, we will know our Super Bowl matchup and we'll take it from there. There will be a week off, a bye week, where there is no football after this. In preparation for the Super Bowl, we'll find out some of the award winners, MVPs, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, all that good stuff. And we'll find that out and we'll have a guest on the show to break it all down. All social platforms, Lock It Up Sports Talk with myself, Logan Lockhart, airs 1 o'clock on Wednesday, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter. I will repost this. And that's where we stand. Enjoy the football, enjoy the hockey, enjoy the basketball, and look forward to those Toronto Blue Jays because they're looking good in the AL East. Until next week, this is Logan Lockhart signing off. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.